Praise God, we are continuing our studies in the book of Luke, all right, in the Gospel of Luke, all right, we started that about a couple of months ago or thereabouts. I don't know about you, but for me, as we go week by week into certain portions of Scripture, what it did for me and continuing to do for me is that it brings me back into a crystal centricity. I now focus back on Jesus Christ, not that I don't, but more so now. Why? Because every week is all about Jesus. All right, this danger of many churches is that we preach good sermons, but our focus is away from Jesus. But the reason why we bring back, we do Luke, is so that you and I can once again be Christocentric in our lives because Jesus is the center of our lives. Amen? So that's what it does to me. And so again, as we preach the word of God, whatever we say, this passage in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to do to you today, is all about Jesus. And the title of my message is, What Gives Jesus Much Joy? What Gives Jesus Much Joy? Now, where do I get this from? Well, it's to the end of Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21. I put it up on the board, but I'm going to read it from my Bible. Towards the end of this passage, it's written, At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was for your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal something happened in the preceding verses that made revelation, that gave revelation to the disciples, and that pleased God and gave joy to Jesus. He turned to his disciples and then said to them privately, Blessed are you whose eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Something happened that the disciples saw everyone to see. Why? Because we want to give Jesus joy. The Greek for joy is not joy. It's abounding in joy. It's overflowing with joy. Much joy. So much joy that Jesus was overjoyed. God thing, man? Yeah. Overjoyed. Not only joy, but overjoyed. You know something? It's recorded in the Bible that Jesus wept three times. When? At Gethsemane. 
sorry, over Jerusalem. When he said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, I wish that I could gather you as, as, as a hen, a mother hen, gather his chicks because he was prophesying over the destruction of Jerusalem. And then Jesus wept the sh shortest verse in the entire Bible when he, his good friend, Lazarus, died. Even though he was going to resurrect him, but Jesus wept because Mary wept. Martha wept. He wept. But also, I believe, Jesus wept at Gethsemane. But where, Pastor, where is it? It's recorded in the Gospels that Jesus wept. No, it's not recorded in the Gospels. But guess what? It's recorded in Hebrews. Okay, let me read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 is recorded. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Where was this? Gethsemane. He offered out cries and tears to the Father. Who could, Remember, he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus cried three times. But only one time ever recorded in the New Testament that Jesus was happy. Jesus was overjoyed. And it is here. The key question that you and I want to know what gives Jesus much joy? I don't know about you, my friend. I want to do that. I want to make Jesus happy. Not only did Jesus have much joy regarding what transpired before, but we read that when Jesus prayed to the Father, He said, Father, it gives you great pleasure. It gives you just much joy. It gives God the Father much pleasure. I want to do that. I don't know about you. I want to live my life in such a way that God is that my heavenly Father is pleased with me. If not, why, why, why sing the song? Why, why praise God? Why worship the Lord? Why, why sing the song? Uh, uh, we're going to sing that in our closing song. Uh, um, tell me, tell me what moves you, Lord. Tell me what moves you. Is it the song I sing? If it is, then here are all the melodies. True or not? Lord, tell me what moves you. Is it, is it, is it I want to love you? Lay down my life. Take it all. True or not? If it's not true, don't sing. I don't know about you. I want to know what moves the heart of God. And this is what I want to share with you today. Three things. In Luke chapter 10, it's a very, very critical watershed in the life of disciples. And I want to say this to all of you, that when I share this, please take it very 
gives Jesus much joy. The first thing. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to verse 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So you ask the Lord to send forth the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone along the road. The first thing that gives Jesus much joy, and there are three, and before I, I continue, let, 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 let me say this to clarify it's my own perspective. There are three reasons, three, three things that gives Jesus much joy that I glean from this chapter. But every one of this is a progressive step. There are three movements, if you like. One follows the other. Every one of these three by itself gives joy to the Lord. But you don't want to stop there and give only joy to Jesus. You want to give him more joy. You want to give him much joy. So step one, step two, step three. For me, I want to do all three. And don't stop at one. It is a dynamic progression I find in this whole passage. And towards the end, you will understand what gives Jesus much joy as we do step one, step two, step three, and by the third step, and we do it, you and I will give Jesus, Jesus much joy and it pleases the Lord. So the first thing, it gives Jesus much joy when we are willing to be sent out into his harvest field. That's what he said. Jesus sent them out two by two into the harvest field. Seventy, some translations have 72. It doesn't matter. Seventy represents nations. It's a number of nations. Earlier, Jesus had already sent out 12. Same thing. But the 12 are named. We know who the 12 apostles were. The 12 represents the Jews. The 70 here represents the Gentile nations. And the amazing thing is, the difference between the 70 and the 12 is that we don't know who they are. No name. The nameless 70. Who are they? You and I. Lah. So whatever is written in Luke 10 is intentionally for you and I as disciples of Jesus Christ. It applies to us. Understand? So whatever I'm going to say to you, you take it very, very seriously because this gives Jesus much joy. And very, very important is this. Make sure, 
Now hear me, hear me very well. It gives Jesus much joy if you are sent by Him and not just went by yourself. Let me clarify. Many people with very good intentions do a lot of things in the name of God. You know, uh, God sent me to start a church, you know. Sure or not. And so they start a church. It fell. You know, uh, God sent me to start this project, you know, so that when it succeeds, Pastor, 10% go to God. But actually, God never told them to start it. So they started, it failed, and they blamed God. The reason why it didn't succeed is because God never told you to start it in the first place. God was not there. You know how many times I've seen business people, I've seen so many people do things, good, well-meaning people, but you go because they just went. They are not sent. Be very sure. Be very sure that you are sent by God. More so, the whole purpose of why you are sent is not that you are successful, it is sent into the harvest field. There must be an aim. There must be a purpose. Yes, you are sent to do a project for what? Huh? So that you can reach out to more souls. It is sent to the harvest field, whether it be in the church or ministry or in your workplace. The end point is why? Why are you sent? Why do you do the ministry? Why do you do the church? Why do you start the project? Why? 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 Why do you migrate? Why? Surely, it is so that you are sent into the harvest field. That is what pleases the Lord. Understand? You understand what I'm saying? So urgent was this that the word send is from the Greek word ekbaleo, where the word ballistics come from. And the image I get is this. You saw a lot of this in the Russian-Ukraine war, right? Speaks to me of urgency, speaks to me of power, speaks to me of multiple, multiple fronts. It's not you, but every one of us. Thousands of us in these three services. We are to be sent by God on the mission for God. In your workplace, in your schools, in your homes. Are you sent by God? Because when you and I go on a mission for God, God is pleased. You know, many years ago, there was a CNN commentary. I can't remember. I don't see that. But I remember this hunk coming out, you know, is the, in the promotion of that. I don't know whether you remember or not. The guy come out, you know, I am on mission for God. He said, is this stupid, sure or not? I am on a mission for God. That's fake. 
But this is real. Are you on a mission for God? In your work? In your businesses? Wherever God has placed you, whatever capacity, what are you doing it for? Why do you start that? Why do you do that? Search our hearts, my friends, search our hearts, because this gives Jesus much, much joy. It's very important that whatever that we do, it must give Jesus much, much joy. And the amazing thing is this, why the urgency? Because it is the harvest. And you and I know that harvest don't wait for you. You wait too long, the harvest is over. There is a moment, a season, a kairos moment. And I believe in my spirit more than ever before that this is the harvest time for Malaysia. You believe with me or not? Huh? If you look at the situation in the country, in many ways, we have gone through tumultuous days. But now I believe that respect has come back. I want to believe that our Prime Minister is doing things right, notwithstanding all the criticisms, and you don't want us to join the criticism. We want to pray, for, support him. Don't you think so? You don't want to join all these people to bring him down? I believe that this is a season for our nation where we can go out and pluck what I call the low-hanging fruits. And I've seen that many, many times, more so in the last six months or so. Many people have come to know the Lord even right here in this church. What is your role? You want to make Jesus happy? Go! Act baleo! Send out by God on a mission for God in your workplace. And I was just told, just only, only you know, I, I, somebody is here, I don't want to embarrass this, this couple. But they, they came last week with, with a friend who is a PhD, a lecturer in university, first time in the church, and introduced to me and to someone of my pastor. And before long, he accepted the Lord, this guy. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Everything. A PhD, you know. And only that, they, she came with her sister and her husband and the pre believers. And that day, they also accepted the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Come on, come on. The reason why I share this. It's because this is a season of low-hanging fruits. You just go to be God's mouthpiece. Is that difficult? You just be His hands. You just be His feet. Remember, it is not us that gives the increase. We just water. We just plant. Who gives the increase? God. We just do it, my friend. I, I just sense my spirit. I just sense my spirit. And, 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 and just, just now, in the first service, and I, I don't mind saying, one of my elders came to me and he said, Pastor, your, what you shared just now just affirms us what happened this week. I said, what happened this week? He said that he went to a cell and then a cell member told them about the friend who has stage 4 cancer. They are not Christians. Or she has, he has heard about Jesus, but the wife certainly is non-Christian. The amazing thing is my elder took the trouble on the Wednesday or the Tuesday to visit this person. They don't know them or no. 
And when they visit them, he prayed for this couple. And amazingly, is this man who has stage four cancer accepted the Lord, and the wife also accepted the Lord. Isn't it amazing? And the amazing thing is this. One more thing, one more thing. That was on Wednesday. On Friday, they want to do new life. It's amazing. And my, and my elder and wife went to the house and did new life with them. Come on, man. Come on. Let's give God a crap offering. This is the season, the time, that even as I speak now, only just finished yesterday and a couple of days ago, we, we sponsored 69 evangelists from the Iban tribe to have training in Kuching so that they can now move into Sarawak in a bigger way. We sponsor and we fund all of them. We pay their salaries, 69 of them. Why? Because this is harvest time. Do you believe it or not? Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Come on. No, the, the reason why I share these real-life testimonies to you is because it's not all the time harvest time, you know. And it's so interesting that today, the passage in Luke 10, Jesus says, Ek baleo. Go as ballistic missiles. So can I encourage you? Those of you who are in cells, make this year in your cell do a cell harvest. For a long time now, we have not challenged you to do a cell plan. I know Easter has just next week, so it's too late to do Easter, right? We usually do Easter and Christmas. But could it be, can I encourage you, those of you in cells, uh, the next big day would be um, Mooncake Festival. Huh? That's in September, am I right? So plan for September. Have a Mooncake Festival celebration. If you cannot, then Christmas. But whatever it is, can I encourage you? Be fired up with a desire to win souls for Jesus Christ. We will, we will have planned we have planned to do training for you. Am I right, Kim? We will plan to do training for you in, in, in evangelism 101 and how you can share your testimony in, in just three minutes, how you can share John 3:16, that kind of thing. But the, tra- the, the point is this: have a heart for souls this year. Because when we do that, it makes Jesus happy. And I'm so proud of some of my pastors as I look at them now. They are real soul winners, you know. You put them sitting beside them for five minutes, they are already saved already. They, look, this is for everybody. Why? 70 nameless ones. Not high, but no. Anybody can do that. That's why it makes Jesus very, very happy. And next week, Easter. Don't just come and celebrate. Bring your non-Christian friends. I, I was speaking to a, 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 somebody yesterday after the service and she was telling me that, you know, her father is not safe, her mother is not safe, her husband is not safe, but she is here alone. I says, ma'am, don't you want to come to church, honour the Lord, serve Him, worship Him together with your entire family? He said, yes. So I said, bring them on Easter day. Will they come? I'll try. I'll try. Bring them. So next week is Easter. Evangelistic. Bring as many pre-believing friends as possible. And let's believe that next weekend would be harvest time for SIBKL. Amen? Come on, let's give God a clap offering if you believe that with me. The second thing that makes Jesus very happy 
and much joy from this passage is this. Remember, it is progressive. Remember, it's one step following the other. While you are willing to go out, to be sent out, makes Jesus happy, please the Lord, the next step is very important. In the process of being sent out like these 70 disciples, are you willing to submit to the process can be very uncomfortable. It may need sacrifice to be discipled by the Lord. That's what I see. I see the entire process from verse 5 down to verse 17 as a discipleship process. It's not being sent out and sent out and at the end of the day, nothing has changed in your life. No. But as you're being sent out and this is the whole process, you will be disciple and I can guarantee you, you may even be rejected. You may be disappointed. You may even feel as if, oh, everything is going against you because it is the school of hard knocks. That's what exactly what the disciples went through. What did it go? First of all, two by two. At least it all down. Send them out two by two. Because there is companionship. You don't go out alone. Even as you go out to witness and go out to serve the Lord in the workplace, marketplace, make sure that you are accountable to somebody. Make sure you go out with someone so that that person can pray for you, ma. so that that person can, can, can help you. Ma. Don't you think so? Don't go out alone. Be connected with a group of like-minded, kingdom-minded people. Exactly what happened, two by two. There's support. But more important than that is that let there be a singularity of purpose. Don't be distracted either by material things. That's why I say don't take purse, don't take anything, just go, take a staff. And not only that, don't greet someone on the way. What does it mean? But, hey, hey, Jesus, you mean I need to be so, so, so uh, uh, indifferent? And no, no. It means to say, don't waste your time. Get involved in prolonged Jewish salutations and greetings. Very long one, no. Don't waste your time. In other words, be intentional, be focused. Don't let anything distract you. That's what Jesus is saying. Just go. Go where? Go to houses. Go to places. Ask the Spirit to guide you. And when you go there, look for men of peace. Look for men of peace. What does it mean? In other words, those people that will welcome you, that will accept you. What does it mean? You mean to say that I, 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 don't, I, I don't go to difficult places? No, because there will be people who will turn tongue you. There will be people who want to bring you down. These are people who don't fight. You can win the battle, lose the war. What for? What I call low-hanging fruits. Go for men of peace. And when you are accepted by men of peace, and there are plenty, man, there are plenty in your workplace. As you go back to work tomorrow, there could be somebody as a colleague whose son is sick. And he said, you're a Christian. Can you pray for my son? Pray lah. 
or there's a colleague that is depressed or, 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 or something has happened. You see the person. You say, can I pray for you? Prayer is free one, man. Just pray. La. Go for low-hanging fruits. But by all means, do it. That's what I'm trying to say to you, my friend. This is the season for evangelism. This is the season where we all rise up in our spirit because this is harvest time. If God says harvest time, it is harvest time. You don't sleep during harvest time. It's amazing that we share this message one week before Easter, you know. And we've taken communion. For what, huh? so that we can be saved and our names written in the book of life? No, no. And this is my third point which I come up to. It's not about salvation, my friend. You are saved, but saved for what? Meet felt needs. Declare that the kingdom of God is here. Listen. You must be so fired up by God's kingdom, wanting to advance His kingdom, whether you give generously or whatever it is, whether through GG or whether through the blessed ministry or whether it be through the, the workplace ministry. But my friend, listen to me. Every one of you with Jesus is the missionary. Everyone without Jesus is a mission field, correct or not? That's why God sent you. That's why you, you are in that place. Don't do nothing. You heard me a thousand times. You heard me a thousand times. I, I went to sell. I go and visit zones. Everybody tell me, Pastor, you are 77 years old. How come you're so passionate for God? I say, because I love the Lord. I do it because I don't do this to show to you, to prove to you anything. I do it because I want to. And I do it because I love God. That's the only reason why I do what I do today. And you do the same. You do the same, my friend. Look at your work. Look at the opportunities God has opened to you. Not just an opportunity to further your career or further your business, but surely everyone without Jesus is a mission field. Everyone with Jesus, meaning you, is a missionary for God. And the amazing thing is, bless them. Pray for them. You can do that, right? Bless them. Amazing thing. As I read through this passage again and again, why is the 70 nameless ones that struck me. God, you have done that earlier, ma, to the 12, ma. What is your purpose for Luke chapter 10 when you already did the same in Luke chapter 9? Why? Why repeat yourself? And the Lord says to me, those 70 nameless ones are the simple folks. And that's why Jesus was so happy. He says, Father, you did not reveal these things to the wise and to the learned. What is wrong with being wise and being learned? The problem is, 
You are too complicated. You are too heavy in your brain uh, that you are not simple enough. God, Jesus sent the simple because number one, the wise and the complicated would never be willing to go out as lambs among wolves. They want to fight wolves to wolves. You challenge me, I challenge you. No. You go out as lambs among wolves. Only the simple will do it. Jesus sent the simple because the simple are not conscious of their status. Nothing wrong with being who you are, the CEO and the OOO and COO and whatever. Nothing wrong with that. God bless you. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But only the simple are not conscious of their status. Only the simple would reach out to the simple. Only the simple would want to obey. Only the simple would want to please God. Only the simple are teachable and only the simple want to be disciple. And I can say this with all my heart, genuinely, because I am not stupid. You see, I'm I'm a high achiever, you know that. You know that, right? I, 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 I didn't leave my brain uh, outside when I went full-time as a pastor. But I'm not complicated. I love God. And I obey Him. You can be a PhD for all I can. And God bless you for your degrees. Nothing wrong with that. The way I say it, I don't have a tongue-in-cheek because I'm not stupid. I too am a high achiever, but I'm simple. I love God and I obey. So I ask you, are you complicated or are you simple? You decide. Because today's message is for the simple. Nothing to do with your degrees or your status, understand? It has everything to do with your obedience. Luke chapter 10, verse 10 to 12. I will come back to it. It was a very serious indictment. Pastor, what happens uh, if I Share. Oh, what happens if I share God? And there are people out there who are cynics. There are people out there who say, Tell me, Pastor, I don't want. I just want to be recalcitrant. I just want to be stubborn. I don't want means I don't want. Okay, no? 
But Jesus says this. And I'll come back to it when I close. The third reason what makes Jesus overjoyed is number one, when we are sent out and willing to be sent out, be available. And every one of us can be available into the harvest field. Jesus is also overjoyed when we are willing to submit ourselves to the process of being disciple as we are sent out so that whatever task that we do, there is a task. Now, in SIBKL, there's a tagline. And all the members know this, that in SIBKL, when we give you an assignment, or when we give you a role to play, whether as a cell leader or a core, or whatever ministry that you're serving in, is a task. But the task by itself is not the end. Task, T-A-S-K, equals cast, C-A-S-K. Every task that we do, there is a cast, which is the ultimate end point. So what is cast? Cast stands for C-A-S-K. Now you tell me. Don't disappoint me. Huh? <laughs> so what does C stands for? Character. Character. A, attitude. S, skill sets. K, knowledge. Thank you. But it's a very weak voice. <laughs> In other words, everything that we do, task equals cast, is never the task as an end by itself, but through the tasking, through the serving, through the involvement in whatever that you're asked to do, whether it be blessed, GG, whether it be a traffic marshals or hospitality, the most important thing is not the doing, but the being. What have you become as you do? What are we looking for? Character. In your serving, are you more and more Christ-like? Attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? Anger? I don't know. Entitlement? As you serve, you improve your skill sets. Do you know the worship team? Before they join the worship team, there is an audition. And I want to believe that as they serve more and more, they get better and better. Am I right, Pastor Aaron? And I, and I was so impressed that some of them actually take singing lessons. Some of them take drum lessons. Some of them take guitar lessons. Why? Because they want to improve themselves. For who? For God! Okay, knowledge. The more you serve, and avail yourself to be sent out, the more you know God, and the more you know yourself. So task equals cast. So C stands for? A, S, K. That's the end point. So as Jesus sends out the 72, He was actually discipling them, so that by the end of the whole process, they came back, and this is the third thing which makes Jesus so happy. 
The end point of all of this discipling process, when I ask you to go out into your workplace, to reach out, you may be rejected, you may be disappointed, who cares? But you just do it like, anyway, right? But in the whole process, in the whole time, God is discipling you. You are growing. You are maturing. You allow and submit yourself to the whole process of God maturing you and shaping you. But what is the end point? End point is this. That at the end of the day, you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, because the whole passage to me is about discipleship, is that you're able and confident to exercise the God-given spiritual authority that He has invested in you. You are able to exercise. That's what has happened. All the disciples came back from verse 17 downwards. The 72 returned with joy and says, Lord, even the demons subject to us in your name. And then Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits subject submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So a lot of people tell me, ha, ah, pastor, there you are. It's not about serving, uh, it's about salvation. True. That's incomplete. True, but inadequate. If you look at the whole exercise, study the passage, the key verse is verse 17 and verse 18 when Jesus says, I have given you authority. It's all about authority. What makes Jesus very, very happy and overjoyed is that in the whole process of discipling, every one of the 70 disciples have now come back and say, I Demons submit to us in your name. They are able now to exercise the God-given authority in the name of Jesus. It's not only about salvation. It's about authority. I saw Satan fall down from heaven. Which heaven? Huh? Second heaven. There are three heavens. The third heaven is where the throne room of God is. Right now, Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms, third heaven. God is still on the throne. We study that, we hear that. Satan is not there. Satan can visit there, Zechariah, right? Satan can be there, but Satan is not there. The throne room of heaven is the third heaven. This is the first heaven, the air that we breathe, atmosphere, and the Satan is the prince of the air. That's why he can still wreak havoc. But between the first and the third heaven is the second heaven where all the heavenly battle takes place. Whoever wins the battles in the second heaven governs the first heaven. This is where the battle takes place. But when the disciples came back and did all those things, the demons subject to me in your name, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall down from heaven, fall down from the second heaven, so that now all the disciples have an open heaven from the first to the third. And this makes Jesus very happy. What it means is this. 
It means that when you go into your workplace and you are able to understand what I'm trying to say to you today, it's a very, very important message because it makes Jesus joyful. That's what He wants to happen in your life so that you're not cowed, you're not cowardly, submitted to defeat all the time, live a life of defeat. No, no, no. He wants you to rise up, to take authority that is yours and defeat the evil one. So what happens? What makes Satan fall down? Satan falls down when you win one soul to Jesus. Every one of these testimonies, Pastor Isaac was saying to me, there was one young adult that has come to, 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 the, to the church five times. Why? Because he or she was not yet ready but he came, she came five times. Nothing wrong with coming five times. But it shows that there's desire, there's interest. Not yet a Christian, but on the sixth time last week, she accepted the Lord. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Amen. It means to say that you just go out into the highways and the byways. Open your mouth. Lah. Invite them to come. What is wrong with that? Do Share your testimony. Pray for them. Exercise the authority God has given to you. And every time someone is saved, Satan falls down like lightning, understand? Every time you encourage somebody, every time you bring a backslidden person back to the Lord, Satan falls down. Every time you and I invest in Sabah and Sarawak and bless the poor, and the needy, and the native, so that the Bumiputra church is strong. Satan falls down! You know, as I talk now, we just completed an a, 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 a evangelistic training for 69 pastors in Kuching, all Ibans. And we funded it all. We funded it. SIBKL funded the whole training. 69 evangelists are so fired up and they now go back to the interior to win more souls for Jesus. And every soul won among the Ibans, Satan falls down. Correct or not? They say, come on, come on, let's give God a clap offering. And this makes Jesus very happy. I'm not asking us to do fantastic things that we cannot do. We can be His mouthpiece. We can be His hands. We can be His feet. We can use whatever that God has blessed us with to bless the kingdom, to expand His kingdom. Can't we do that? Amazing thing is, if you say, can I have the worship team? You think that we are doing God a big favor, you know. God, I have no time. God, I'm too old. God, let me take care of my business first. That's sound familiar. Jesus says, you follow me. I cannot. I've just married. I bought a field. You know, at the end of the day, in my experience, you will never be shortchanged. 
Because from verse 23 onwards, Jesus was so happy, full of joy. The first thing he did is say, thank you, Father. Praise God, Father. Thank you. And then he turned to the disciples. He blessed them. You will be blessed. Why? Because now you see. Blessed are the eyes that see what you 70 see. And that applies to all of us here today. Do you see what they see? Because I have explained to you what Jesus wants. But as you see, as you begin to implement and execute and go out into the highways and the byways to be willing to be sent out in your own way, willing to be discipled in the whole process so that at the end of the day, you exercise the God-given authority God has given to you. And if all the thousands of you who are here and are online do it, Satan will fall down several thousand times. And then we will capture the second heaven. That makes Jesus very happy. And could close with this. I shared with you that that portion of scripture, I left it. Because there are people who are not interested, you see. There are people who are cynics. There are people who would reject these things. They say, Pastor, you do lah. It's not for me. Not only it's not for me, True or not? Is there such thing as urgency? You know, it's interesting that next two weeks I'm going to speak in Kota Kinabalu at the Malaysian Healthcare, Christian Healthcare Conference. And the doctors and the pharmacies and the nurses realize that these are urgent days. Why? Because the theme of the entire conference is last days last hour. I'm so excited. It is last days. It is last hour. Do you sense it? But what happens to those people who don't care? Who say, Pastor, not for me. Jesus says, whoa. It's very serious. Woe to you, Chorazim. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. Because so many miracles have done in your life. God has blessed you. God has healed you. And yet you say, So what, God? So what? God says no. It's Capernaum today. This is Capernaum today. My encouragement to all of us today, take heed of what Jesus says. 
Because he says what he means, and he means what he says. He delights to bless, but also the converse is true. So as I close, I want to ask you this question: Do you want to be wowed by Jesus, or do you want to be wowed by Jesus? You decide. Let's pray. Everybody, close your eyes. I was telling the second service this morning at eight thirty. This is probably one of the most serious messages I've ever preached. You know why? I wish I I could I didn't end it that way. There will be blessings after blessings after blessings after blessings, but not so, you know, not so, not so. Remember what Pastor was it, Lindy? Oh no, somebody shared last week. He who has been forgiven much, oh, Elder Guntan, right? That he who has been forgiven much loves much. You have been forgiven much. God has taken you out of the miry clay to bless you and give you where you are today. You have been forgiven much. Do you love? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Father, we forgive us for taking you for granted so often. We are so used to communion. We are so used to worship that sometimes we just mouth the lyrics. We just eat the bread and drink the wine and it's nothing to you. It's not true. Not true. As the song says, we even curse your name. Forgive, forgive. So today, I want to challenge you today: rededicate your life back again to God. I know time is gone, but I'm going to open the altar. The first group are those. Who have heard the call of God, not to go full time, but to serve Him in the past. But something has happened over the years, maybe even during MCO, and you've come from another church and you've been hurt by your pastor. You've been hurt by a non, a Christian friend whom you. Respect a lot, but he does these things, and you are disappointed by Christianity, and you take a back seat. You are still here, but you have lost that fire. Today, God wants you to reignite that fire once again. Love him, serve him, serve him, my friends, serve him. Come back to God. 
Reignite that fire once again, no matter what your status and what your position may be. Tell God, God. Yeah. Yeah. I want to serve you. I want to love you, Lord. You come forward. You come. You come. And I want to believe that even as you take the step of faith to come and answer the call, I want to believe that your latter years will be far greater than the former ones. Yesterday, there was one young man that came asked me for prayer. I said, what can I pray for you about? He said, nothing specific. But pastor, pray for me that I can be more on fire for God. I said, I like that. I like that. I like that young man. I like that. It's not that he was not on fire, but I know him. It's not that he was not on fire for what he's serving God here. But he says, Pastor, can I be on fire for God even more? Yes, you can, son. Yes, you can. Altar is open. That God will now use your life in a greater way, in a greater measure. And the amazing thing, you will have the joy to be harvesters for Jesus. First Gary, second Gary, felt needs. We will continue to pray for felt needs, sickness, anything in your family, in your life that has troubled you and pulled you down today. Because the kingdom of God is here. We break the bondage. We break that. Whatever it is holding you back today, we release you. Whether it's sickness, whether it be any issues in your workplace or in your family, you bring it to God because Jesus will break that bondage. So I'm going to open the altar as we sing this song. Let's all stand. Shall we do that? Spend a moment of quietness before God before I close. We do that, church. God loves you. God loves you. He loves your family. He loves your children. He wants the best for your grandchildren. And He has blessed us with so much. Is it too much to ask you to bless Him back? No, very often I pray, Lord, can I bless you? And then I tell myself, who am I? That I can bless God. The answer is yes. You can bless God. You can bless God. Jesus was overjoyed. Bless the Lord, my friend. Bless him. Bless the Lord. We wanna bless you, Lord. Spend a moment of quietness before I close while ministry goes to the front. I'm going to close in just a couple of minutes. Just hang in there. Would you hang on for a couple of minutes? Let me pray for you. Bless you. That every one of you as you come here, those visitors, after this, go to the hospitality room. Give us permission to bless you even more. I want you to encounter Jesus, understand? So that your time here is time well spent. 
because you have encountered Jesus one more time. One more time. Yes, Lord. You know, Jesus was so overjoyed. The first thing he did was say, Father, thank you. Father, praise be your name. And today I say to you, Father, So may the Lord bless you this day, my friend. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord turn His face towards every one of you and your loved ones and your family, wherever they are. And always give you shalom. In Jesus' name I pray the gospel say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. 10 p.m. tonight, uh, tomorrow night, log in and let's prepare ourselves for Good Friday and Easter. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.